0: Hello friends, I'm Joseph, and this is Almost Sound. We started Almost Sound and its podcast series with one main intention to help artists, promoters, record label owners, playlist curators, and others in the music industry share their message and views with the world. We hope that you will get inspired by their stories, experiences, and work, and that by spending time with them at home, you will also get to know them as people. Without further ado, let's welcome today's guest. Sophia Says is an artist, performer, musician, producer, DJ and label owner of Dusk and AIDS. Born in Georgia and having grown up in the US, her sonic DNA has been shaped by a wide range of experiences and cultures. Sophia started venturing in the field with trip pop and House and eventually landed on Planet Techno. She now continues to craft her own particular style of production, often centered around field recordings. And over the years, she's been releasing music for Francis Harris' Kingdoms and her own and Aids. In this chat, we talk about Sophia's journey, where commitment has been a constant factor throughout her studies and jobs thereafter. And we also learn about an unusual job offer by the Central Intelligence Agency of US. The artist talks about the challenges of leaving a secure job to focus on music and how one might overcome self-doubts and outside pressure. We also chat about Ask and Aids from before it became a label in 2017 to its new plans, including supporting emerging producers with access to tools and resources. And while Sofia shares about her creative process in writing her album Self, we are reminded that music fundamentally feels special when it comes from the heart. Enjoy this chat with Sofia says. Sofia, thanks so much for being with us. It's a pleasure to speak with you.
1: Yeah, thank you for, for taking the time.
0: Amazing. And let me start with a question for people who don't know you, uh don't know you yet. Like for someone who, who just meets you maybe at a cocktail party and they ask you, what do you do? How would you reply?
1: Um, well, I think like um recently one of my friends was saying uh he had like read a post or something about some something that I'd done and the way it was titled was like the order it was like artist um artist musician producer dj last you know and Mm. i really felt like yeah i I kind of identified with that order really nicely um but i guess yeah artist being the most like interchangeable term you know yeah but certainly like i feel i feel definitely more as a producer first and then you know DJing last or performer last I guess.
0: Yeah yeah and you so you you think about yourself as a producer and did you start by making music and then you eventually like in in time like you eventually then started DJing after producing or they kind of came at the same time?
1: Um, I started producing first Um, Hmm. well when I was young I kind of was dabbling in like more composition I guess but like very free form like I didn't really I, I had a musical background but not you know not very like advanced theory I guess um so I kind of just you know started putting things together I would just get sheet music and just like try to compose and uh and then after I started to get into electronic music I started producing first uh but I was kind of circling around a lot of different like forms of electronic music mm-hmm. and uh and then like when I made the decision to like actually have a career from it um it was interesting because then i actually started DJing first and then wow yes um but yeah i used to put out like a lot of different like aliases i guess i did like house and i did like it's like trip hop mm. i just i was just kind of like experimenting yeah and then i was experimenting with DJing i guess so yeah yeah but I, I always enjoyed performance like i was a dancer when i was younger too so i always liked the idea of like you know presenting something but it was kind of like the last thing you know (laughs) yeah
0: yeah and and then in in a way so okay you were a dancer for some time in your life as well and you were into different genres was there a specific order that you got into let's say house electronica techno or they were kind of all together and then you focus on one thing
1: um yes uh I think I've always been like a bit of a gypsy in that sense like just like across anything i do from like cooking through dancing or music just like always bouncing around different like stylistic ranges um but within production i started out primarily in trip hop mm. i mean yeah. like as, as, in terms of like what i was actually producing because I, I felt like it had like it just it allowed me like freedom to kind of like express myself and it was like More down tempo, so it was easier to kind of, you know, grasp. And then my first like stab at electronic music was house because it was like the most like pungent and like obvious, like kind of like, you know, just I'm so excited to be making this and just like, you know, just going for it. Um, And techno was the last thing actually because for me techno music has always been more like cerebral and something that you kind of like, it's like you work your taste up to, you know. So it's Mm -hmm. not like it's not very easily consuming. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. It's it's less for mass consumption than uh, house or yeah, trip hop is it's also quite niche. I mean like there's yeah. there's a lot of people who listen to trip hop but it's not like a like a mass genre. Um Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was so there was something about trip hop that like I guess it was just like a, it allowed me like from a production standpoint to c- to combine a lot of like my tastes, you know, in what a very not- l- gentle way, I guess. Um but yeah. Yeah, here I am, not not doing techno.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, nice and, and one thing that I'm interested in is like uh, trying to connect the dots of, of your path until here. Is um, so you've traveled a lot in your life. You were you were born in Georgia, if I'm not mistaken, and you have uh, lived in different countries, and eventually now you are in U.S. How does that connect, like overlaps in in terms of timeline with your music taste and the development of your taste music?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's like one of the same. It's probably why I would say uh, that that I am such like a, like very uncommitted or like dedicated to one diet style. Because um, you know, like as a child, I feel like you know, just like like we all we all like have this like inner child, and it's just like our adulthood is just like an extension of that. So you kind of just whatever for you happens in your formative years, it's long lasting, right? So yeah, I feel um, for me like having moved around was really um every place that i lived in i picked up a different sort of you know uh foundation for like what my music taste would become eventually so like georgia for me um like definitely like the most deeply rooted theme i guess in in most of my music is nostalgia and i feel like that definitely mm-hmm. stems from georgia um and you know i think also the georgians are like we really pride ourselves on our culture and like our heritage and it's a very, you know, it's a very ancient culture. So the music is like very reflective of that. The folk music we have, like, you know, I'm I'm sure you've heard it, like the polyphonic singing, and like we have a lot of like very unique instruments to the area. And the sound, like traditional folk music in Georgia, is very, um, it's very nostalgic. You know, it's very wow. patriotic, and it's it's really powerful. And I think me having separated from Georgia from like an early age was um was definitely like that. That's like where that developed. That sort of like nostalgic attachment and like not being home you know and missing it because I was like yeah. torn away from my country at five you know <laughs> and so and that and then and then every place was like a different was definitely a different thing um you know Philadelphia for me was kind of like the most um because my parents still live here and I'm actually back here now Philly was like, a very mm-hmm. interesting place um because it was like the closest thing that I could have to like re regaining a sense of home you know right um and Definitely, like, the the hip-hop culture here had a really big impact on me, you know, when I was growing up. There's also, like, a lot of really cool niche, like, you know, kind of cult scenes here, like, within the jazz scene here, there's a lot of, like, really interesting, you know, venues, and um, so Philly was important, and then, yeah, I guess New York City was, like, brutally beautiful, (laughs) like, it was just, like, a self-destructive kind of, like, eight years of just, like, you know, I, I guess... To answer your question, every place you know, picks, you you pick up a different element, and then eventually you just you can't commit to one thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. And then, and like, then eventually, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, no, no. Please go ahead.
0: Uh, I was gonna say, and then then you become you, and then I mean, whatever happens in the past, it's part of your of you now, eventually.
1: Yeah, it definitely becomes like ingrained in your DNA and um, your sonic DNA, I guess. And mm-hmm. it's weird. Like I was even, and I. And, you know, as you're, like, kind of in your creative process of, like, production, you know, you you definitely hit, like, different points, right? And you're constantly, like, evolving your craft. But, like, you know, for me, being in lockdown, the most, like, breakthrough thing was, like, I'm going to try to form, like, like, sort of put more of a template to my work so that yeah. I become more efficient, you know? So, like, not, like, a lot of, like, these, like, inefficient processes, like, you know, just simple things like organizing your sample library or organizing your projects or, you know, or, like, I was thinking, like, most of... Most of the time I waste is in like automation, you know, and I'm like sitting right. there like, okay, how can I, you know, kind of create a template around this so I don't waste time going forward. And, um, you know, so like, I guess what I'm saying is like, even that, like, even now trying to like put more of a construct around myself, it's, it's still challenging because I was like working on stuff and I'm like still deviating, you know, it's like, it, yeah. it it's always like a challenge, you know, I guess yeah. it never, never ends <laughs> forever. <laughs>
0: of course and and i guess like the the other interesting thing is that being in a doing a creative activity like one of the artists or the producer it's good to deviate from uh, the structure so having a structure that in a way allows you to be free and not spend energy and time in uh, having to set up your live set and everything but then deviating is what makes it you know you have this kind of happy moment happy experiments happy accidents and um, you create stuff that are that that is not it doesn't sound like computer music it's more like your humanized way to interpret music
1: yeah yeah that's a really good point actually um a very very strong one actually i think um because i think if somebody had told me like you know early on like you know what what recommendation whatever it's like i actually think i actually think you do have to definitely be free form like at least in the first like i don't know i guess the the shelf life is different for everyone for me it was like i would say like 10 years of production that Mm -hmm. like until I was finally like okay I, I kind of I want to start like putting more strategy around these mistakes you know not strategy but like like you said you you learned so many techniques you know you just and that that's how I don't for me at least that's that was the bulk of how I how I learned to produce.
0: Yes yeah and in in, in, t- in terms of your studio process now that you have you've kind of come to a, to a certain level meaning that you have experience with that is there any I'm interested in, in two things. One is the normal process, so how you approach music production, and the other one is that when you face creative blocks, which I <laughs> presume that like you, you you must be facing sometimes, how do you tackle them? Do you have a process to say, I'm just gonna crush it, or yeah. maybe wait?
1: So this is probably like my f- like all-time favorite subject, like the the creative process, right? And I feel like it's like this infinite yeah. kind of like you know plethora of like Pandora's box, and there's so much in there, and uh, You're like, you're constantly, like, I guess, like, you're constantly pushing different peaks, right? So I would say, like, my studio process has really changed, like, and it continues to to change. Um, And, you know, I think adapting is really important. For example, I was just back home in Georgia for two months. I got, like, locked in there because I couldn't, there were no flights back to the States. Mm -hmm. I didn't have, I didn't have speakers, you know, I didn't have, uh, I, I had, like, this, I had, lost my like headphones even so I, I didn't wow. I only had like buds so and I I was in the process of finishing the record and so I started mixing like visually instead of like trusting my ears as much well still obviously I had like the output from like my my computer monitor but like I guess like mixing to that you know and then just like kind of trusting like just gauging like a different mixing process than what i was used to you know yeah yeah. Um, and it's interesting because like those kind of limits like yeah you just you you end up adapting to the situation and that's kind of how you evolve you know um and i guess like the challenging thing yeah interchangeable with, with what i just said i guess you know it's like you you're constantly hitting different challenges and like every i think like every day i'm i'm like you know youtubing some other thing about logic that I didn't know and um and but but I guess like the the biggest challenge for me was is just committing to things like mm. you know I, I tend to like just delay like finishing tracks in the sense of like it's all fleshed out but you know I'll just I have just have like hard drives and hard drives of just like fleshed out tracks but I'm not confident in like committing to finalizing right. it you know? yeah it's
0: yeah.
1: that like final thread and I but that I guess also takes time to like build the confidence to say like, this is over,
0: you know, for sure. (laughs) Yes. It, this seems to be like one of the the hardest and toughest challenges for producers. And uh, do you think for for yourself, like, do you think is a matter of uh, maybe not being as confident in finishing it or (laughs) there is something else around procrastination that you're like, okay, no, I've done my part. Like let's, let's do it another day.
1: Um, I think it's just like psychology you know and i think it's like like i think like demanding an artist to muster confidence in in any capacity is like kind of like traumatizing a child like you know it's (laughs) like you you can't can't force it in the sense like because it's like that takes there's so much inner work that that it's like it's it's not just like a shyness or it's not something that's like you know i'm lazy or i think it's just it's just like you you be becoming confident and like embracing what you're yeah. doing, right? And That takes a lot more work than the amount of years that you put into production, like developing as a person, you know?
0: For sure, and yes.
1: Yeah, I always feel like that's like a really big thing with like, you know, artist development, I guess, and that whole like process of, you know, starting to release your tracks is is like, just being ready for that mentally, you know? Yeah. And like the grounded you are within yourself. Um, Cause at the end of the day, like, you know, like me, fi- me finally, you know, embracing my work wasn't the result of being like, oh, you know, I've done this in X, Y, Z years in music. It was just like, all right, um, I just don't get, I don't care anymore, you know, it's just like, I'm just going to do what, what feels right for me. Yes. And, yeah. And I know a lot of artists who like don't, producers who don't listen to other people's music for that reason. Right. So just not get influenced. Jeff Meets. Uh, yeah. 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 De- definitely. Um, yeah. And I, it, it's definitely a method, you know?
0: Yes, of course. Yeah. And uh, I think it's a, it's a very common challenge, the one of like not finishing music to, or le- let's say being challenged with uh, having to finish music and pushing yourself toward like uh, to, to find this confidence and say, okay, I'm going to finish this track, send it out and see what happens. In, in wh- One of the things that I've come to to, uh, to think about that is that it, one Potential solution for some people is to find a an external support network or like a feedback circle where even when you are not exactly confident that, that thing is gonna work or reflects like your ability, you can send it to other people who might advise you on whether you should finish it or not, and if you finish it, how you can shape it better. And it's super funny that I spoke with with Lag one of one of um, <clears> the <throat> few days ago, and he was saying that one of his most famous tracks called "Controla." He, he hated that, and he didn't want to release it. But Bas Moy from Mord, who talked him into releasing the track, and he was like, no, no, I don't want to release it, it sucks. Like, it just yeah. doesn't sound. <laughs> and then it ended up being a very, very happy accident in a way. Like, it ended up being a very, very interesting track. that brought a lot of attention to his music as well. So positive outcome out of that. Interesting
1: yeah uh no absolutely like reference point right and like having a like a stable reference point and having you know not within that network of your trusted you know reviewers uh people that have seen the whole process from start to finish so like your friends that have been there from the start to see what because like that's the choice reference point right there has to be a starting point as well because you know somebody just walking into your career when you've just made like your big let's say your biggest like track you know it's like if that's your starting point of a reference it's kind of Mm. so um like it's funny because like my mom is kind of like my reference point yeah (laughs) because I mean first of all she was a musician or she played piano herself her whole life and like but more but more importantly you know while she had like no context of like techno now she's like Fully, like, she has a SoundCloud where she follows like every second of DJ and she'll like, she'll be like, Lights. Oh, you need to check out this person's latest like release or like a, and she's like so tuned in. And you know what it is? It's that she can like, it, it's not about like the stylistic thing, you know, of whether she likes, for her, it's like she just kind of calls me out if she feels like I'm doing something that is not true to me, you know, and wow. why she kind of makes me question why I'm making that what I am, you know? Yeah. Um, and and then equally gives me confidence, you know, when when I'm not able to grasp something.
0: Yes, it's beautiful. I think you are lucky, in a lucky position to have that relationship with your mother that's like, it's uh, uh, supporting you, coaching you in a way, like, you <laughs> <Totally. doing. laughs> it's amazing. And it, it, did you always enjoy electronic music? Did she always enjoy electronic music or it came yeah, because no. of you? No. She had no idea. (laughs) She had,
1: like, absolutely no idea. And, I I mean, to this day, she's, like, terrified by, like, by it in some levels because, you know, it's, like, for her, it's, like, this, like, uncharted, like, unknown territory. But sonically, she's, you know, she started to get into it. Um, I guess, like, what I meant was like, the sort of, like, the actual, like, raving aspect of it. Hmm. Um, But but she had – she really didn't know anything about electronic music. Um, And, yeah, it just – like, it's weird. Like, you know, sometimes there are things that, you know – I feel, I feel like, like you said, that I won't like, or that she, that I would think she, she would, like, you know, I, I was just interested in learning how to make, like, acid core the other day, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for it, and uh, like, she like, her, her choices, and, like, what she picks is, like, it's incredible, you know, because it's, like, when I reflect on it, I'm, like, it's always spot on, like, whatever the style is, it's just, like, she's just, like, she just knows when something is, like, my sound, and why, like, if I'm doing it with the right motive. Wow. No message i guess
0: that's very interesting yes and it, so it makes me think that you have um like your parents or at least your mother are, are been and are supportive with you like do, do you feel that they have supported you also in uh, trusting more that you could make it in your music career
1: um well i think no parent is can fully trust that you know like i'm naturally <laughs> Parent, they're, you know, was the best for their child, or most cases at least. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I think my parents, yeah, it was definitely just more like fear, like naturally, when I left my day job uh, to to just like go from like income to no income at first, you know, and yeah. uh, But I think that they have always like known that I work really hard in anything that I commit to, and that I'm like very dedicated to like piercing through my craft. Yes. Uh, Um. And you know, obviously, when it doesn't reap any benefits for a few years, it's it's scary. Yeah. Uh, so it's been a challenge. The whole process is very challenging. And whether it's like whether that challenges with your parents or within yourself, I think it's the same thing. You know, it's just like kind of like trusting yourself most importantly that you're just gonna you're you're, you're gonna you know you're gonna become really good at what you're doing. You know? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So it was it was it was a tough process, but. Um, I think that we're in a much better place than where we started.
0: (laughs) Of course do you think that I mean it certainly happened gradually like it I I imagine it happened like over a period of time but do you think there was a specific event perhaps a release of yours or a gig you played where they actually were like ah this is real Sophia's really doing this?
1: Um, You know uh, funnily enough like as much as my parents are like proud of whatever accomplishments or uh, like I don't think it ever ends, really. You, you never have, you never really have this like breakthrough moment, you know. Yeah. It's like, it's weird because like my first like my first release from when I started like actually like putting music out again with like this alias of PSA's because Says is not my last name, and but <laughs> like they um, like this the first like song I guess it was like it just went viral, like it just like started doing really well, like whatever. It was not totally unexpected, and like as a producer you think that that's like the thing you're trying to achieve right Mm. like get a lot of people to like something you make and you know that but it's like it's not in the wider schemes like it's just never ends like you're constantly having these kind of like so i don't i don't think so and i think people will always doubt you and you just can't rely on like self-validation like that you can't just can't expect that anything is going to validate your confidence you know and just feeling like okay i've done it And I don't think it should, because you should always evolve, you know. I think if you, if you, at any point, like, like, I think it was like Hendrix or like this term, it was like, you know, artists always have to stay hungry, you know, the minute you lose your hunger, it's like, you know, so I feel like the minute you're like, okay, I've done, I've, I've made it. It's like, where do you go from there creatively, right? Of course,
0: yeah. And there was a, I think applies for the broader creator bucket. So artists, but also creators, like, and I fit in the bucket also entrepreneurs, people who are building a business or. A solution for some kind of problem, and I remember there was a. I think I, w- I watched like YouTube video where someone was talking about um, uh, meeting with Elon Musk, where um, Elon Musk was giving a, For people who don't know him, is one of the, let's say most interesting entrepreneurs, a bit of a crazy guy and a character, and he was giving a speech to some entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs, and, and one of them asked him, um, Elon. Uh, What would you tell to someone who wants to be an entrepreneur and is um, to motivate them? And he said, "Look, if you're looking for motivation, it's already a good reason, a good signal for you to stop, because nobody's gonna have to (laughs) motivate you." (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and I think yeah, true. True.
1: true. Now he's like interested in techno, right? (laughs) Something I I saw. It's like recent. uh, I don't know. He like tweeted something like. I could like use a rave or something.
0: Yeah, else. yeah. <laughs> it, it, b- basically, is building. he has this company called Tesla for people who don't know yeah. who produces electric cars. And he is creating um solar battery plants. And the next one is in Berlin. And he said, I think we should throw a party in the solar station in Berlin.
1: <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I would rather that there's like, I don't know, a party like out in outer space right now than... <laughs> Then, like in in a lot of venues, that I'm seeing a lot of like maskless events and things like that. So it's probably safer right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who knows? And, and so, what one other question that I wanted to ask you about your um, yeah, let's talk about your, your path. So before doing music, you did a bunch of other jobs. If I'm not mistaken, you were working for Citibank. And I read an interview. You got an offer from C C A or C I A. <laughs> yeah, wow. Okay. How, so tell us briefly like what's your career path before music?
1: Yeah. Um so I was born in Georgia and Tbilisi the capital. Uh and at the time there's like a lot of, you know, political instability in the country. We had just like divorced from the USSR and the Soviet Union. I don't know if anybody really calls it that, but uh and uh yeah, my parents like were basically forced to leave the country and I moved to the states um and we were back and forth a lot and because at the time it was like for for applicants seeking political asylum it was kind of difficult to you know to gain that um gain like proper documents to stay legally in the states and um yeah like we moved around a lot I lived in Canada and uh like in my formative years like I was you know I was raised in a really traditional household like very Georgian and um you know my like my childhood was mainly just like excelling in academics and then just like coming home, doing like piano classes, dance classes, and then going to sleep and repeat, like no social wow. life whatsoever, yeah. right? So I guess that probably influenced my music too, um, in many ways. So I was I was really into the arts, but it was never something that was it just it, in, uh, it, like not just in Georgia, I guess, but it, parents in general will always kind of like, you know, put this focus of like academics and having a real job, I guess, yeah. Quote, unquote. Uh, so I, and I think I like coming from like, you know, seeing my parents go through the whole immigration process and like, you know, just kind of seeing them struggle and like trying to like regain their life in the States. Um, it, I always like also had this like pressure of like, you know, I've got to like, I've got to get a job, you know, I've got to do really well in school so I can just like get this job. Um, and yeah, I got like a full scholarship to George Washington. Uh, and I'd always worked. like I started working when I was like maybe 14, 16, just like wow. my, own, like, you know, like inner need to like help my parents or help myself you know kind of like excel in life (laughs) or and uh and yeah you just kind of you look at like financial security as like the like emblem of like and so i got a full scholarship to george washington university studying dc uh and basically like uh yeah i was studying in the business school there i actually started off studying international affairs at first then like switched to business when I realized like I, I had to make money <laughs> I guess at some point
0: <laughs> yeah um
1: and I got offered like a job at Citibank like working on Wall Street um before I graduated wow. but at the same time like George Washington was really um I guess like it's a very politically affiliated school because of you know of the location and a lot of it's kind of like a feeder, feeder university for a lot of government organizations like right CIA which is like located like just on the outskirts of dc their headquarters and um yeah um i got offered this like in that process they were basically just like seeking out this like very particular like profile and i guess i matched that profile and so they have you know oh. they basically approach you with with an offer but you know it's the recruitment process is like any other job right except that they they approach you which is interesting, interesting. Um, yeah and you go through like basically like several rounds um, same with like the process any, that went through, yeah, like any job
0: for Citibank, um, yes.
1: And it was really interesting, yeah. I mean, it was just this like decision I wanted to make, you know, which was like, do I like do I make money, you know, or do I like you know do this thing that I'm really fascinated in? Um, maybe fast forward now, I would have taken that offer, you know. But at the time, you know, I, I definitely like looked to like financial security, uh, yeah. so. Um, yeah, it was it was a really interesting process. It always makes me wonder about like my friends who I like never heard about later. And I was like, <laughs> what, like what are they up You know,
0: these or, like, Yeah,
1: like wow. it was a few, you know, because they they kind of like yeah. It was just it was a really interesting process. Uh, and then I got this job from from Citibank, and I moved to New York, uh, and I was just like hustling on Wall Street for like three years. I absolutely despise my life um not because you know for anyone doing it i think it's fantastic if you're into it yes. i just my brain is not like mathematically formulated or like that in that kind of corporate structure so it was it was really brutal i would say like it was really destructive for me mentally because it was just like the weight was so heavy and i mm. I, I was starting to go out a lot more during that time and so like i think i started to look at like you know this idea i had already started like going out i guess in in universities like when i started to really like start producing and like start putting out records and um mm. not putting out records but i think like just like i think the the first the first record I actually put out was when i moved to new york uh and yeah i i started to look at like this kind of like escape right like like a lot of people who get into electronic music it's like this sort of like havens um right. and, and then after another after end three years i um I quit my job uh and didn't really know what I was going to do in music at all um but you know I took like I took six months to kind of figure it out I traveled um I got I came to actually like London wow. first I stopped in Paris uh, to, to visit some friends but went, went to London um ended up at this like really weird rave somewhere like outside of London <laughs> I don't even know like really looking back <laughs> it. like it was so dodgy like I had to like go like meet up with some person so that they could like drive me out it was just like i didn't know but i was like it was so weird it was like this like calling i was like i like i'm really interested in this you know uh and i think i was just like willing to like whatever whatever happens i just want to figure out what it is i want to be doing right so it's like just go with those went went to london then i went to amsterdam for ad and um i think when i went to amsterdam it was like really formative for me because I started to see that there was a whole industry around what it was that I wanted to do. And when I think from like, when I saw it in an application sense of like, okay, you can actually have like a job doing this, I guess. Um, yeah. that's when, yeah, it really kind of, and, and then I ended up in Berlin. Um, and I think seeing that whole 360, like, okay, this is how it all works. You know, I came back to the States, I sat down with my mom, I remember actually funnily enough, my longest, my longtime manager, my mom, <laughs> and uh, yeah it was like you know like how, like i kind of just like i was like okay, this is what i want to be doing but you know how am i going to do it you know and the, just picked the, the starting point uh an alias and the label and yeah from yeah. there
0: <laughs> got it and so basically that was if i'm not mistaken around 2017 is when you started also daskin aids the, the label right
1: um, well, actually, like we started out in terms of a label, yeah, but we started out in 2015. uh We were throwing raves at first, like throwing parties, uh, and then started doing, uh, look, like, then we're doing like warehouse raves too, and then we got shut down really bad once, uh, like just super bad. Like I almost ended up in jail for it, basically, because it was like, I think we had like 1,500 people in a warehouse, you know, and it was just like, you know, there's nothing bad happening. It was just like, you know, we, we met all the requirements it's just that the license we couldn't we didn't get the license uh we couldn't so uh basically at the time new york city was making it really difficult for like for underground promoters to get licenses and it was just really poor timing so when we got shot i was like okay there's not that it's pretty difficult to to try to do parties right now so i had always wanted to do the label so we we started in 2017 as a label but before we were throwing parties yeah
0: and so that you were in Europe, uh, that was when you went to the AD. It was twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen. Yeah,
1: 2014. 2014, wow. 2014
0: yeah. Interesting. Okay, and so it's interesting that you you kind of took the leap from um, like a secure job, like the, the things that like essentially society or uh, you know parents tell you to do because it's it's safe. It just looks safe for, for your good actually. But in were you already making enough money on the other like on music, or put it another way, no, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not at all uh, I mean I had saved some some you know from my previous job but you know just yeah. like New York, New York City is not cheap to just live in um so when when I you know when I, I basically did a lot of jobs in between you know I like I worked at a recording studio I was like you know bartending I was doing whatever I had to do to pay my bills right and um yeah i I started working for a nightclub good room in New York City and I was doing like everything like like in the sense of like what whatever job they would give me I was down for because I wanted to just learn and also um yeah eat
0: (laughs) yeah yeah of course (laughs) pay the rent not easy yes and okay super interesting and so was there anything like you mentioned before that like the CIA offer like you wondered whether they would have for sure that would have taken you somewhere else but you wonder how your life would have been like was there anything that you regret like that you didn't do didn't take any offer you didn't do just to try of your of this experience
1: mm, no I think uh like yeah. I will say, like as emotionally attached and like passionate I am about like immediate situations um I'm equally like emotional about detaching like when I feel because I feel like instinct and like intuition is so strong right like if there, there's always a reason for why you do things and why you don't do certain things, and um, I feel like you just have to trust your judgment, and I don't really tend to look like look back in that sense, because because really I mean, maybe it's just a way of like psychologically just coming to terms with things. But like yeah. you know, you kind of just you know you I just always look back on situations that you know I thought that I might might regret later in life, uh, walking away from, and I always realize like that that like. Life just kinda of like sets things up for you. It's like it's weird. It's like you just there's a reason why you didn't take that job yeah. or you there's a reason why you like broke up with that person or whatever it is. It's just like there's always a bigger there's always a bigger reason, I guess, just trusting yeah. the process.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it seems like it turned, turned out to be good for you to be the choice like what it is and are you I think you're happy with where you are right now and then you enjoy what you're doing. And you feel feel the way you feel, like, satisfied of your choice and be, like, um, confident in saying, I'm going to continue pursuing this route?
1: Well, I think that you kind of, like, what's the term, like, put the nail on the, or hammer, I forget the the term for that, but, like, Uh basically, you nailed it. Like, I feel that, um, like, being comfortable with your decisions is, like, that's, like, it's, it's just so important to not, prematurely you know develop uh because you just like it, it like and I, th- I feel like the schedule before where we're just we're all going from gig to gig and you know you didn't really have time to digest that and you just really have to make sure that your 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 inner needs are aligning right with like what you're doing like why are you really doing this like are you happy doing this like are you really happy like are you how i mean not happy in the sense of, like obviously like, you know nobody's just like happy all day every day but just like just being at peace with yourself, yeah. I guess, you know? Um, because, you know, and, and that's why I think like, you know, you see these like examples, not just artists that, you know, you, they hit like this massive crisis at a certain point, you know, cause you're just like all these years have flown by and you're just, just been like rushing decisions. Um, so I think I've, I've kind of like, you know, I always kind of made sure to prioritize like my, like my motives, you know, first and foremost. Yeah. Uh, and whatever they are, and it's fine, you know, like, like, it's like, if you, you know, if you, if, if, for example, finances are more important for you than artistry, right, like, if that's yeah. but that's, but if you're honest with yourself about that, you know, then that's, that might work for XYZ person, but, you know, it might not work for somebody else, or if, if, you know, if somebody's like, let's say, very family oriented, you know, or they like their home life, you know, and they're constantly gigging and they're touring and they're missing out on that. They're going to be really unhappy, you know, at a certain point. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, we just, I, I don't think we really had time to like question that a lot, a lot of the time. Um, but Obviously. I always, I always, I always kind of like sought that out, I guess.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a really interesting topic. And I think these forced uh, stop a kind of forced reset about the whole industry of the whole world has put everybody in a position where they have to question whatever the choice were right and and really try to understand like am i doing this because i i don't know it's just my way to escape from uh problems or am i doing this because i'm really happy doing this or is this sustainable as well i think i don't know for a lot of artists also the, the the downside of that was that like a lot of artists including myself i think had a bit of a sense of losing themselves or their identity, which is normally associated with uh, going out, gigging, playing, uh, making music for a dance floor that doesn't exist for six months. It really makes you question like, uh, hmm, I don't know, am I doing something that is really fulfilling? Like, would I do it if there was no dance floor anymore? Very interesting, deep topic.
1: Absolutely and I think like in every industry people are doing that right now just really questioning themselves and sadly enough I feel like you know on very like on very poor uh angles too right like just like people just being very depressed you know just coming like facing that mirror and just looking at looking at themselves uh but there's also really like there's a lot of silver linings in it too um you know cuz you can we we can all get like a lot of good from this whole thing right now you know and if it, there, there is like kind of like this like light at the end of the tunnel in that sense um, and i think yeah i just think you know it it it's it, it's ultimately you're only hurting yourself right by not like by not being honest with it I know mean, it's really funny it's like the other day i was thinking about this like when i was doing like you know when i was touring last year doing all these like you know banging like techno shows i was making like ambient music like really very like on on like probably the most like today at least one of the the most like heartfelt or like uh records that I've done and now that there's no shows I've been making so much dance music like only dance music and I realized I was like why was that like on a creative level like why was I you know what was my motive and like and I realized that actually touring was really depressing me (laughs) it was like it made me miss home you know and it makes sense right and now that I'm home I'm like I'm so happy, and I'm making, like, hardcore, <laughs> I'm just, like, you know, it's, like, all these, like, things that I, would like, didn't really have an interest in doing last year, and I'm just, like, at home, like, just, like, dancing to myself, you know, just, like, enjoying, enjoying it, and I think it's because I'm really happy to be home, you know, and for me, that's really important. I've come to, like, you know, realize it's best to just face that and not uh to be honest when I saw shows coming back it kind of gave me anxiety in a way because I was like you know I'm not ready like three months hasn't been enough time to like you know go through this like process because it's a really beautiful time we have right now you know to like it's just like well I don't know we're so lucky in so many ways like it's yes. it's weird to say that obviously because of just what's happening but like um that the, there's there's a lot of good I believe that can come out of this I, and I, a lot of music that can come out of it and I just feel like nope, like, I don't want to listen to, like, sad, ambient music right now, you know, I, I want to feel like, like, life is sad enough, you know, I feel that, that, like, there's been this, like, argument lately, like, when I talk to, like, my other, like, producer friends of, like, you know, what are you making, like, this is what I'm up to, and everybody's, like, nah, I'm not making dance music right now, and I feel, like, kind of, like, you know, the odd sheep, like, you know, just, like, all right, well, like, I'm making, like, 170 plus, you know, <laughs> or something, like, you know, it's, like, and it's so weird, and yeah, it just, yeah.
0: It's beautiful it's counterintuitive because uh, like you know you might expect that if you're gigging a lot you want to make tools to gig or to play and then if you're home sitting you want to make something for home listening but i think in your case it's like you see that as something that maybe i don't know the music it's it's really connected with what you feel inside maybe you're feeling that you miss home when you're touring so you want to make more calm music and when you're at home you want to make more dancing music because that's the thing that is not present in your life right now super interesting yeah
1: and and equally, I would say not like in any way of like dismantling somebody else's like yeah. work, but it's like in a way it makes me wonder like, sure, you can say that like, you know, touring was inspiring you to make dance records, but also like if you really love making dance music, right, why would like, you, it wouldn't sway, it wouldn't change, right? Like I feel like that, so it makes me like question a lot of the motives of people that make music like kind of on according to trend right or according to what's happening um so i actually realized i love making dance music you know (laughs) like this is great it's been like it's it's been but i but touring wasn't allowing me to do that as much
0: yeah yeah because you have less time and and i guess like you know your mind is in a different headspace but super interesting um yes and couple of questions around the label and which are so okay you started uh, as a event platform you were touring event and released it around 2015 then eventually the label becomes a label and uh, you you released an album uh, last year June last year and uh, yes I was wondering okay so you made your first album uh, and released it in June 2019 how was the process for you like did you enjoy sitting down in the studio and thinking about the album and for someone who is approaching their first album, like what would you recommend they think about? They do before starting, or when they start?
1: Um, yeah, it was it was insane that whole experience because first of all, Francis Harris, I had like really I had, he had been like an idol of mine from, as a producer for a really long time, like from from the start, I would say, and um, and it was really it was already like very admirable it was very like kind of um I felt really grateful that he that he approached me to like to ask to write a record right so that was that was already from the start the starting point was like really honest because I was like this is amazing that like you know that it feels so fitting um and then I I always feel like records have to um embody what you're going through on a personalistic like it, it, it my art imitates my life right like it's like that's the, the, it's always like on the same track. So at that time, like I said, you know, I was starting to like tour more. And as a result, I was like being, becoming more introspective of what was happening um, and realizing that, you know, there was a lot of things like at the core that I, that I was not facing. Um, And I just kind of, you know, from the time that he asked me to the time that I actually sat down to write it, it was like, maybe almost a year, I'd say. Um, And I purposely did that, I guess, because I just didn't, I I didn't necessarily know how to communicate what it was I was trying to say. And one weekend, I just like, yeah, I just sat down and I think I, you know, I was probably like in a very emotional state as as was. And like, I just didn't sleep for like a few days. And I just like, it was, I just did this like basically this huge sketch, like, one long logic project, and just a lot of it was just like live jamming and just like letting it flow and it was just like this insane cathartic experience i don't I don't know how to like really it was it was so it was so bizarre like at the end of it I remember I just like when I finished it and I played it back, and I called my mom and I was crying on the phone, I was literally crying, and I was like I had remembered um there was a Japanese DJ that I had met in Tokyo and uh, right before the show, uh, he was the headliner and I was just the supporting talent and he was, I I was talking to him and he was, um, just talking about like how powerful music is making music is for him and how it was, and it was really a heartfelt conversation. And he actually, he did this like pop up in New York. I saw him again. And, um, and basically like, you know, the, the idea was, he said, you know, he started crying and he was just like, making music is like the most beautiful thing for me, you know, and it's just the most like intimate connection. And I was, I was on the phone with my mom and I was telling her, I was like, I think I understand what he means now. You know, I was like, I just did this thing and it was probably the most like powerful feeling I've had from, from creating something. Mm -hmm. It was just so reflective. It was just absolutely just totally being able to voice yourself musically uh, to communicate what it is you're trying to say, like putting notes to it. It's just like, it's just like an insane feeling right and I, I think like basically I finished that record and I was just I was just like kind of mind blown not like in this I never I'm never really I've never I'm never usually like that with my work because you know I'm always critical track to track I think writing an album is really different it's a t- totally different experience and it has it just has to come to you you cannot like come to it I guess um yeah and and then once I had, you know, kind of, it's weird. Sometimes, like, we don't really know why we're, why, like, the creative intent. Like, even if you, you know, it was really, it was very intimate. Um, there was, like, a lot of, like, you know, personal, like, field recordings and all these things that, that were in, in the jam. But, like, because, like, life was so fast, sometimes, like, going from gig to gig, to gig, you don't really have time to digest. Like, it might be happening, but you, you don't really understand the concept. You know, necessarily. So you don't start writing a track and you're like, this is the theme, you know. And it it just so once I had already sketched it out, I was like, I started to realize why I made the decisions. Like at every single like loop or you know bar, I was like, okay, I understand why that, why I did that, and like what was the motive in doing that. And and that was like then I cried again because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, like this is like crazy, you know, like this is insane, right? That like you're yeah. able to put this together um and yeah long story short um I started to kind of like deconstruct it and realize putting like like you know a theme around there or or you know um verbally verbally saying what it is what it was that that I was trying to say um and yeah there's a lot of other things that I kind of you know initially planned to put out with it like I went I I wanted to put out the live show right away but I felt like that in and of itself should be a really like um it's a process of its own, you know, and so I was actually supposed to debut the live show for this march uh which got postponed uh but um it was it was an incredible experience <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah it, it does sounds like you, you the experience itself like paid off like in a way like it, it wasn't necessarily about like what you're gonna get out of or, or after the album it's more about the experience of, of writing the album was the experience was the the goal or I say. yep
1: Absolutely. And I think it always should be, you know, because like, again, like you cannot look to music for any kind of validation because you'll never get it. Because like you said, if you're well, if you're actually seeking that in the first place, that then it's like that's already you should just really take a break,
0: yeah. you know.
1: Um, and for me, it was like. Yeah, it was like it was like you know this this term of like you know kind of inner demons and like facing your demons and like trying to like you know get, you know, get trying to like overcome inner challenges right. And for me, writing that was a huge like milestone for me personally.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, it's. It, sorry. It's you... like med-
1: it's like meditation. It's like meditative, right? Just like you know, it was it was basically like one long meditation, <laughs> I guess. <laughs>
0: Such an interesting concept, like also because the, the yeah, it, it's something that keeps coming back with other people, which is it, when you look for validation or like reaching an outcome, especially when doing music, eventually you don't get fulfilled by that. So like eventually, it's like a, a glass that is always empty. You will always like struggle to get it, to get it empty again, and then you always get empty again. But when rather you enjoy the process, like you enjoy making music, or you get to these cathartic moments where you feel like, wow, I was mind blowing by writing the album that's when you actually get attached to you to the music and you get fulfillment on what you're doing
1: totally i feel that way about djs uh, or just djing too in the sense that like i have a lot of you know friends who dj and they'll you know they'll come up to, and they're excellent djs they're really good at their craft and they'll come up to me and they'll say you know i started learning to produce, or i started producing more and you know it's just really frustrating like i'm just like super frustrated with it i can't get myself to like you know yeah. commit you know more than hour and you know yeah that's kind of part of the process sure but I I always say like I'm like why are you making music in the first place like are you do you feel like you have to make music you know to to DJ because if that's your motive then you know that's not that's not gonna make you happy you know <laughs> like for me like I'm obsessed with production I've in many ways I felt that way about DJing like I didn't necessarily want to be doing this show like, like okay this is an extension like you know and I've come to love like a lot of like performance aspects too but like you know I could sit in front of logic for like 16 hours straight you know and I'm good like I just you know like uh, I'll take like you know like a few breaks and but you know with DJing, it's like I, I it was definitely like more challenging for me you know um, so you're right like motive and intent
0: yeah 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 it, yeah it's, yeah, so it's there's, a, there's a lot of like a, to to investigate about that it's super interesting um, one one question that comes from someone in the audience uh, a guy Named Sander Boys, I don't know if it's a real name, but uh, maybe you, you know him already, but the he was asking something about your field recordings. Uh, he mentioned that there are uh, many field recordings on on your music in production, and he was asking, is there anything off-bounds or like something that you should not do, or you should do, or well, let's say, are there boundaries?
1: Yeah, um, so yeah, I actually met Sandra through Electric Deluxe and uh, a store. And it's an awesome guy. He um, they, they invited me last year to do a show. And um, I'm laughing because we ha- we always have this conversation of like field recordings. Um, and like I I record everything. <laughs> it's like this. I mean, I'm not recording you right now. Don't worry. I'm
0: recording. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: like you're recording me actually. Tables have turned. I'll them. Really? But um, there's just like, like, these moments in life, right, that, like, will never happen again, simply put, and when you have, like, the sonic portion of that, and you just capture it then and there, like, it's like, it's just this, like, capsulated time that you will never have again, and I'm just so fascinated with it, and so I have, like, all types of recordings, and the whole album was field recorded. like, 99% of it, like, you, like, all, a lot, most of the drums as well, progressive elements, like, everything was, like, very like uh Frankenstein together and um yeah just I have really like everything like I pulled up a project the other day from like six years ago and I had like a sample of like my heartbeat because I had like a heart condition when I was younger and uh I guess I had like samples like while the doctor was doing my test I guess I was like sitting there like sampling the (laughs) the heartbeat I was just like how do I have seven I have really, really odd things like um you know obviously there's like you know I'm not gonna record something that makes somebody uncomfortable but at the same time there's also some situations that I've had that like were very uncomfortable for me personally and I recorded it because as painful as it is it was like this is like incredible musically you know <laughs> so yeah. um yeah yeah I've sampled a lot of like yeah voicemails and just like a lot of things uh yeah it's it's just very unique
0: it, and it's interesting and I think the I think I lost my train of thought, but yes, and and it's it's an emotional anchor when you record something. It's like you taking a picture and then looking at the picture years after, you remind yourself of uh, the feelings you you got when that thing happened in reality.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, it's 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 insane. Um, yeah, like I had a lot of like on the album. I feel like I did a lot of all the like VHS stuff. I just went back and rewatched videos of like my family when I was younger and. And then, like, um yeah, like I remember, like my like longest like relationship too. Like, I had like this like, ref- like you know, last few voicemails or you know calls, whatever. And I had samples of it, and it was just like it was so emotionally taxing. But at the same time, it was like this is awesome. So sometimes, like you know, I'm in a situation. I'm like, this is a really awful situation. I'm like, but the sound is like incredible. <laughs> you know, so I have to sample this.
0: Wow, yeah, it's very interesting. There's another question that's. To me, it sounds weird, but maybe you you'll get the insider joke from Sander, which is what do you think about goats? <laughs> oh my god! If, if it's too weird, we're gonna cut it out. But <laughs> otherwise, really. Yeah, yeah. I
1: don't know. That's also like a like just like he's a really, he's a really interesting uh person, and like we often talk about like the creative process, and uh, goats has become like a you could you could make this off the record, just like an inside joke. <laughs> probably, he probably thought that wasn't gonna make the cut, so he's like, I'll just throw it in there.
0: Yes. <laughs> wow okay so we, okay that's we, we, okay we, we, we'll see and um on dusk and aids, a question for someone in the audience uh, mr pub news on the label do you have anything planned and i guess tied into that one question that i had was i saw a charity section on the website of your label and i wanted to ask whether you have any plans anything you want to announce now or or anything that you want to yeah. announce in the future
1: um so like even with my own release schedule and the, the labels as well I put everything on a standstill like once everything you know the lockdown happened because not to not do those things anymore just um I wanted to like reformulate the schedule um and make it more suitable to like the new timeline of what was going to happen for 2020 um and so we have like a stack of releases lined up for the year um but, like, the timing of when everything comes out changed. Um, and I'm very excited also because um, I found myself also, like, adding more, like, finding a lot of tracks from, like, young kids, younger producers who um, – and, yeah, they're, like, some of them are, like, you know, like, 18, 21, you know? And it's, like, it's amazing the stuff they're making. And what I liked about it is, like, they're, like, very upbeat. And they're really optimistic and, like, just energetic tracks. And so – um yeah we have like we have interesting we have really like exciting releases um and then the charity stuff um it's a really uh it's a deep topic actually because I always I thought like the idea of like charity was like initially you know when I formulated like the moving parts of uh, of Dusk and Hayes so it's like okay we do events we like you know for a label and you know charity was this was this like idea that I really wanted to pursue and have it very like equated but at the time, it was, like, very direct, right? It was, like, we didn't rent, for example. And, like, we donated all the funds to, like, this, like, queer uh, organization in New York. And, you know, it feels great to donate just on that level. But then I was, like, I really want to re- change my approach to charity. So now, like, I'm working on this thing um, of, like, basically, that is, like, starting at the root level. Like, start, starting with helping the issue from the root level versus, like, when it's already a problem. Right. Nice. Um, so. Uh, I've been thinking about um, basically like starting with this program to help producers, like young producers, like their young kids, especially, um, giving them tools and resources to, to make music. Because I feel like you know, if, as a kid myself, like when I when I had like a lot of like problems and what was happening in my life, music was an escape, right? And there's like no stronger weapon than giving a kid like logic. <laughs> you know, it's just the most amazing gift you can ever give somebody. Um,
0: yeah, uh, it is amazing, and and yes, uh, I I'm looking forward to, to knowing more when uh, when you're ready.
1: So yeah, so we're thinking. I was thinking about you know basically sorry to cut you off. Uh, like basically like aligning with like software companies and like hardware companies, um, to see if they're you know basically willing to give a few licenses or you know basically support it from like a resource standpoint. Um. And I'm still working on that, but I feel like that for me will feel more fulfilling than just donating money, which is great too. And I don't think it should stop there, but you know.
0: Yeah, I have, uh, this might, might become uh, off the records, but I, I'm, I'm smiling because we are actually in the process of doing a very similar thing. We, are, we have an accelerator program with Almost Sound where we normally take producers from uh, ideation to releasing the track and promoting it. And now we, we started. We're working with a guy in London who has um, who has worked with uh, young kids in disadvantaged ca- uh, neighborhood uh, to get access to music lessons. And now we are thinking to do a similar thing where we would provide uh, the teachers and the let's say the online course, and work with a software company who would provide them uh, a So I'll let you know offline. I'll send you a couple of information as soon as we have uh, something shaped up, and maybe you know uh, there's something we <laughs> do together.
1: Yes, please. Uh, for me, it's, like, I think that's super exciting what you just said. I, I'm really excited to see how that develops for you guys. Um, and, like, at the end of the day, it's, like, it's just an extension, like, of what I'm already doing. For, like, whatever, however I can help you guys. You know what I mean? It's, like, it's as long as it's constructive to the end result, for me, Is like, it's less, it's not really anything to do with me. I don't, and I think it was also, like, we've also left this, like, coming soon landing page there because it was like do i really need to also like make this part of my identity that i'm doing this you know or can i just like do this program as like an independent thing or just like you know so um absolutely however i could contribute to that let me know
0: of course yes um we are talking with, with a couple of software companies i think next week we have a meeting with one of them um it's not logic, but
1: actually, again, I feel like they don't really have that much. Uh, I haven't mm-hmm. seen like uh, artist you know, department. I guess like they do, they do like Apple artists and like Apple music, but like you know, I think other companies are a bit more keen on like the like you know, you there's like actually like that de- dedicated like teams around it. So
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm sure we're gonna find someone uh, because it's someone moment talks where I think people feel more uh, keen to to help other people uh, because. The, Everybody's kind of empathizing with the general pain. I think. Yes. Yes. Um, okay. I am thinking. What other? I wanted to ask you. Uh, yes. So there was something that I think you mentioned before, which was this. Uh, yeah, the sense of validation. Which, um, you know, when you seek a sense of you validation from the outside world, uh, it's it's a dangerous thing because it doesn't lead you to happiness long term. And I I sometimes feel like social media are kind of pushing us much in that direction because it's the usual story like you, know, you chase short term oxytocin or dopamine uh, shots and then you become addicted to these things and then you try to you change a bit where you would do things because you want to be liked you want to receive attention and is there anything that you think any person like we could do like any normal person could do in the immediate term to help protect themselves from this kind of uh, negative uh, or these pitfalls or negative thinking?
1: yeah that's a great question, and I feel like it's something that we've all like dismissed, you know, like the mental health association of social media and um I think that uh because you know I see a lot of people just breaking down you know and like just you know deactivating things, reactivating it, and including myself at points where I was like, you know, like there's this thing, there's this platform that we've all just started using that didn't exist before and we're not thinking about the repercussions of it, right? We're just doing it. No. And, um, and then for artists, it's a whole other thing. It's like one step further where it's now associated with your like self-worth, you know, it, by basically, uh, validating your worth or promoters validating worth through likes. Right. So it's like, I think, um, I think like, I always think that like education and like information is the, most powerful way to combat anything, right? Like knowledge is power in every every capacity. So I think that if you start like n- detaching the emotional side of it and looking at it as like a resource, looking at it as a tool, you yeah. know, you can it, you can develop a healthier relationship. You know, it's more functional. And so I think like this classic argument of like you know social media is ruin, ruining music. I I don't agree because I think social media is also connecting a lot of people and it's giving a lot of opportunities because it has to me at least. You know, yeah. um, so I think that like and and it's just part of our it's just part part of life now you know it's like you can't like really like flush it out so yeah I think just like start looking at it for more of a functional use you know and that's your decision as an artist if you want to have a profile that's more personal or you just want to have it you know purely music and I don't think one is more interesting than the other in fact I think that we're gonna hit like we're gonna we're just like in this maximalist kind of phase right now and we're just gonna maxed out and then eventually things are just going to go back to simplicity right and go back to the minimal culture um but yeah it's 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 bizarre but it is definitely a powerful tool you know and it's like i think that i would never tell somebody that to not be to not engage in it
0: um yeah it's i mean the only fact that we have in this conversation is probably also thanks to social media so it is exactly Yeah.
1: Exactly, like complaining on social media about social media is, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's
0: kind of...
1: <laughs> so it's kind
0: it's, yeah. it's like, it's like if, you, if you're like, oh, this restaurant is shit, like they a uh, shit food, and then you keep going there, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh, I read uh, a bit of your interview with Attack Magazine, and they asked you and a couple of other artists about... Um, uh, how do you see the music progressing in the next 10 years? And, and I think, I mean, your outlook in general, your vision of, of the music industry was very positive. Uh, you were very propositive. Uh, how much has that changed? Eh? Now <laughs> so that, funny,
1: oh, they <laughs> asked that like, right before lockdown. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> 2020 is going to be my year. <laughs> like, I'm ready for it. And you know what? Actually, I think it really is. Uh, it really is. And it's, the more you look at it as that, the better the the more it makes sense, because um, it's probably the best thing that could have happened to music, to be honest, yeah. to to have this time off. Um, so I am still defending my my like optimism because, you know, while I saw it panning out differently, <laughs> in terms of like, on a physical level, I think that on a deeper level, it was actually the most brilliant thing that could have happened. Um, and that's why I think that my anxiety was setting in after three months, because I was like, it hasn't been enough time for us to really actually like, in like reap the whole benefits of, of this time. Because if we have like three more months, like, and you're seeing like, you know, you're seeing DJs just like, run back into DJing prematurely, I think, you know, and it's like, there's like, there's so much more we can get out of this, you know, and this, and you're seeing it like you know, have started doing like they're like, you know, Free Fridays or like where they give like all the proceeds to to art, artists, and um, you know, there's a lot of change that's happening right now, and it's only gonna, there's only gonna be better change if we just actually enjoy this time and we actually like
0: accept it. Yeah, I indeed, and and I think that the it's it, it's very interesting, like. Aside from all the health issues that this thing clearly has caused, I think the reset of the industry. Okay, let's say the health and economical problems and potentially social problems that are coming out of these two things. Uh, aside from all of this, I think mentally it was probably a good thing, like a good test for all of us, because in the fact that we kind of as a world we it has united us in a lot of ways because we were in the same boot camp all together, like eating the mud, and like having to be like sucking the shit, you know. And I think that, that that is a really, you know, good thing that happened in the, in on the mess. So hopefully it's gonna go. It's yes. Gonna, I, yeah. Um. So a couple of rapid fire questions. Uh, actually, before that, I wanted to um, give credit to Attack Magazine, which, uh, uh, no, Attack Magazine, uh, old magazine that's... Um,
1: but uh, Attack 2,
0: because <laughs> they're yeah, also Attack, also, attack too, <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, uh, they're yeah. A lot Attack too, and they do a lot of work for producers as well. Uh, they have a lot of sample libraries uh, and... Uh, they do interviews and think they do a really good job also in um, sampling artist uh, releases and they're very articulated in the way they, the way they explain.
1: Totally.
0: Yeah. And I wanted also to give credit to uh, our second girlfriend of old Magazine, who interviewed you uh, some time ago. And I think the style of questions that they have is very interesting because it's very, very specific. They do the research before they send you the questions and it makes you feel as, a, as an interviewee, I think, it's much more interesting than just going on hey tell me what brought you to the music i don't know it's very interesting yeah. Do, if you recall the interview you did with them like was there any specific question that you were like holy shit like i don't know how to answer this it's challenging
1: yeah um it's always yeah to to be honest like like i have really bad memory of like situations that i don't like that i don't feel this like emotional attachment to you know uh naturally because you know either something is important to you or it's not and that interview stood out for me so it was like more memorable than than you know than others let's say um uh, and one of the questions was like really off the like off the rails and like it was but uh the most challenging uh it was like even though it was phrased, I guess it was like if falling in love were one thing, you know, what what would it what would it look like if it was something physical, visual? Mm-hmm. And um, it was the thing I was like, "Damn, like how do I answer this? You know, <laughs> how how can how can I answer this?" And um, I my I think the like my response was like logic or something, you know, and it was like logic pro x and and and, uh, and then I like. Was thinking about that over and over and I realized that like it's weird I'm a bit of a hermit so maybe like my perspective is different but when I really think about like the purest form of love or the purest purest form of like um this like endless infinite thing I really equate it to making music or any craft like following a craft fully because when I think about making music and like just how much like how how much value it has for me, it's like it's infinite. It's always evolving. It's always there. It's the one thing that I feel like, like it's the, basically the pure purest form of love. I think you know, and like the really the purest. And not not to sound like you know on a, like a cliché cheesy level or anything. It just it really is. It's like you know, it's just everlasting. Um, and it's always it's always the thing that I feel like my first. Um, my first intuition is like, I come home from a party. I'm like, I just want to make music, you know, I'm at a party. I'm like, I actually just want to be home making music, you know, <laughs> or like I always, always there. And that kind of like natural, like desire, am just like, that's love, you know? Um, and, and then like your motive. Cause I always think about like, okay, you know, if, if you're in your peak happiness and like, what's the, what's the, what's the thing you want to share that with, or what's the thing you want to be doing? And if it's music, then I'm like, okay. Then I think my motive is in the right place, you know. And I think that that's when I realized that it was like, okay, it's making music. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that was a really cool question.
0: It's, it's a yeah, and also especially I, I guess like a, I really to connect a lot with what you said. And I think it sounds like your music in your way, in your case, is like connected with your real self and your sense of purpose. So when you when you do music, when you think about music, uh, it kind of makes you feel aligned with like it's me, no bullshit, uh-huh. and. um, So a couple of rapid fire questions, Uh, what is your secret weapon? And it can be something outside of music, anything in your life that you feel is your secret weapon.
1: Um, My secret weapon, um, it's it's probably the thing that's my biggest uh, weakness too, is probably my biggest weapon, is like uh, um, commitment to, to ideas, you know, but at the same time like that, it has become my strength uh, in many ways because it has allowed me to be more diverse, you know. Yeah. But um, but it was definitely like a weakness for a really long time and I think that it's become my, my biggest weapon because uh, I can just like even in a range of like style production stylistically, like I, I can confidently say now I think after, let's say a decade of making music that I can pretty much sit down and make any style, you know. And right. that was really hard in the beginning but um to like identify with that but um and the same with situations like I have like the the most like dynamic group of friends you know like it's like from all jobs you know people who are interested in all different things and that's hard when you're younger because you know your group of friends are everywhere and they're all over the world they're they all like different things and you're like you don't have one steady group of friends but then you realize that that's actually like the most amazing thing later you know so I think that, yeah, just like embracing your uh, weaknesses, because they they can very much become your biggest weapons.
0: Yeah, but it's a beautiful thing. And I guess the commitment part is also because you worked so much on it that you developed in it. You turned that weakness into a skill, because you worked so much, uh, that became, you mastered it. Yeah. And uh, so guilty pleasures, what is that one track that is a guilty pleasure of yours? Guilty pleasure of yours.
1: um I don't know if it's really guilty like I don't I don't feel that way about tracks you know like i it's it's strange I I don't have a guilty pleasure because I yeah I don't feel guilty about liking things right like it's uh but something that I think I would feel like you know kind of like it would be testing the waters to play uh um I guess like I've always wanted to do like this like I've always wanted to have like this kind of like very peak like kind of like uh f- folk music like using folk music in a set uh, you know really like on a very bizarre level uh that just makes people really uncomfortable um mm-hmm. and there's so much incredible like tribal music and even like georgian folk music that's that's just incredible but it can make audiences really feel awkward uh and i like that you know because i like the idea of like questioning like it's not because it's not about me anymore right just about the idea and yeah it's so easy in a techno set you know because you're just delivering um like a consistent thing and um i love when you just break out of that and you make you make people feel really weird for a second you know
0: it it makes it super interesting even if i find it like even when you're not necessarily like what you're hearing like that kind of opens up your mind that you're like okay you know
1: yeah i remember i walked in once like i I love regis like i would say he's like he's been a huge inspiration for my like on a creative level and technical too like his use of like delays on drums like that was like a massive breakthrough for me when i was like you know kind of learning to produce uh uh and i remember i like walked into like some party that carl was playing and like he has a habit of doing that he'll like have these like weird moments that are just like so odd especially if you're just walking into the party and uh yeah like he was you know he I walked in and he just played like the Nick Cave's like old just had his old like punk band uh birthday party maybe probably you know about it and uh the lyrics like like you know who wants to die and just like pause you know and then just drops into this like and it was the first thing I walked into and I was just like that was so sick, you know. Just like this is so awesome, and yeah. those kind of moments, I think, like, cause, that, cause that's those have challenged me. So obviously, we challenge other crowds. I think, you know, just make using strange samples.
0: Yes, and especially when it's paired up with uh, with skills, that are like, it makes it like almost like flawless. Like it, it, it builds up in the in the speech that the person is like communicating. there very interesting, yeah. Um, Okay, so last question, which is the tradition of uh, homo sound, um, is what question would you like us to ask our next guest?
1: Mm. Okay, let's make it really uh, re- very hard and awkward. <laughs> uh, I think, but, but again, probably the thing that they'll walk away from and really think about. Um, I always thought this idea of asking people just how are you is very generic and it should actually be the last thing that they should ask in a conversation instead of the first thing um because it's very overlooked and you know you ask somebody how are you ever just says good but how are you really you know how are you really doing and like asking that at the end of the at the end of the interview I think and just seeing the reaction of how people what and they walk away thinking about that it's the last thing uh but the most important thing I think
0: amazing i'm gonna i look forward to asking that question
1: <laughs> <laughs> kind of odd right just don't ask at the start just, just like oh this guy was so rude he didn't ask how i was doing uh,
0: pretty, especially like if the, if the best answer is be british i mean i think it's like you know <laughs> like whatever say hi without how are you next you week? Know?
1: yeah absolutely yeah etiquette is a weird thing like it's just like it's it's so it's it's not it doesn't align with psychology at all sometimes like it's like you you're not you're not gonna pour your you're not gonna tell somebody how you really feel. That's the first thing of the conversation, you know. But once you've opened up to them, you'll be a lot more trusting of actually saying the truth.
0: Yeah, you, you feel like you know, it's as not gonna as eat you alive or like make fun of you or walk away if you say I'm shit. And no.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, because like you know, like at the start of this call, I might have been like. You know, I'm good. How are you, right? And then, at the, but yeah. by then, I am like, you know what? This has been a really nice conversation. I feel nice and relaxed. I can be like, you know, I actually had a really, really like awful night. <laughs> you know, <laughs> or like, you know, you were you, you know, you you started off, uh, you know, express you are like, you know, I had this issue with my neighbors, whatever. But mm-hmm. a lot of people don't feel that same comfort.
0: No, I, I think that's that's a very interesting point because I find it like yes, there, there are people who are be more uh, maybe outspoken or comfortable in sharing this stuff. And I find that when they do that, even at the start of the conversation, like, oh, I'm shit, you know, I don't know, whatever, like, my, my, I just got run over by a car or something, that puts people, the other person, more like comfortable. And you feel like, okay, it's like, okay, we are, you know, it's person to person. We're not trying to hide anything that's not into um, hide from.
1: Yeah, right. But yeah, then just creating those situations, right, for a person to even feel comfortable enough and safe enough to say that. Um And yeah, you do that through building communication, not like throwing it on somebody right away Um, because that makes you scared.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Very true. And as you might imagine, there's a question from our previous guest. Uh, It's easy. It's easy. So which is one. (laughs) (laughs) What is the album that people don't know about that you think people don't know about, but they should really listen to outside of electronic music?
1: Um, well, I love a lot of film scores, uh, and, um, I would say, um, like, a t- two answers. One, a very popular example is just because I started, like, remixing it yesterday, and I was like, oh, it's actually, it's, I'm surprised that some people haven't, haven't listened to it. It's the soundtrack for Eyes Wide Shut. Um, it's an insane soundtrack, and I think, like, v- I would suggest listening to it twice, because the first time, you don't really grasp how deep it is, um, and uh second, the soundtrack for Babel. uh Gustavo Santalaaya did that, and he's an ins- incredible like uh, you know f- film score producer film. Uh, and
0: Babel. that
1: is, yeah, I would say that one. That one is more on the lines of like, you know it, it infuses a lot of like you know folk elements, but it, both like deeply, deeply touching, I would definitely suggest people to listen to it nice.
0: And was that head one that you were about to mention that or? Babel. Yeah, yeah Bab- that was
1: the second one. Yeah, Babo by Gustavo Santaolalla.
0: Yeah. yeah. nice, great. Uh, I just made some notes of that and then I'm going to put them in the show notes. Uh, any latest projects that you would like people to check out if they're interested in, in knowing more about you, and Aids, anything you want to point their attention to?
1: Um, let's see. Um, I would say like my releases this year, <laughs> just like the full release schedule and if it's like a gluttonous answer. But um yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, cause it's it's a lot more pointed, targeted, and thought out than I've had the time to do before. Uh, most everything else is just like, all right, well, I guess you know, this this is being released, uh, and um, I think just following the progression of it over the next few months uh, is something I'm proud of. So. Yes.
0: Nice, okay, perfect. And And equally
1: the Dustin Hayes stuff too, because I treat it like my own releases, you know, I'm as like emotionally invested into it as if it were my own.
0: Yeah, Uh, of course, amazing. And uh, if there is anything specifically when you have links that you, you know, when you have an album or an EP or whatever it is you want to point out, like if you send it to us, we share it with our community. It would be a pleasure. Thank you.
1: I appreciate that. Thank Thank you.
0: Sofia, this has been a great pleasure to uh, meet you. Uh, in you the- too. <laughs> very nice to speak with you. Thank you.
1: You as well. Thank you for taking the time.
0: Okay, guys, this is Joseph and this is the outro. If you really like the content, I wanted to ask you, please consider liking us on Instagram or leaving a review on the podcast. Whether you're using that on Apple is very useful for us. And your comment makes all of our work worth it. Also, if you have any guests that you really would like us to chat with, let us know. We take any suggestion or any feedback and we use it to improve and direct what we're going to do next. If you're a producer and you're interested in masterclasses with artists such as Scalamaria, BSK, Romec, Lag and many more, you can now check our website homosound.co.uk. We have plenty of classes and more are coming as well. So brace yourself, you're going to get a lot of content. And one last thing, shout out for Vlad for editing this podcast, and Declan for creating the content that you all see on social media. Plus, of course, big thanks to Juliana, Flaminia, Alessandro, and Rick from Tape Feed for all the rest of the work at Homo Sound. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time at Homo Sound.